please welcome in our new sponsor, Fight Camp. Let's be honest, we could all use a little bit more motivation when it comes to working out. Allow me to introduce you to Fight Camp. Fight Camp is an interactive at-home boxing. They bring the best workout in the world into your home and they make it fun. You can explore thousands of workouts led by expert trainers with decades of experience teaching proper boxing form and technique. Fight Camp has live punch counting stats that motivate you by counting each punch throughout your workout and pushing you to meet goals each round. As you progress, you'll unlock achievements and you can go head to head against other members, whether they're across the country or even across your living room. Man, that would be fun to challenge uh, a friend or a brother or a sister and you have some live action rounds going here like I could land more punches than you and so on. So, I mean, it just sounds like so much fun with Fight Camp because they have that versus mode and that is so cool. So make it a little challenge amongst yourselves. So one of the best things about Fight Camp is that it makes boxing accessible to everyone, no matter what fitness level you're at, what age you're at, or what experience of boxing you have. It doesn't matter, you could do it. And you're gonna have a great time as well. So join the biggest boxing community in the world without leaving your home. Fight Camp packages start at just $99. They even offer some great financing options so you can get started for as low as $9 a month. To get everything you need, go to fightcamp.com slash two-man to learn more. That's fightcamp.com slash two-man, T-W-O-M-A-N. So that's right, folks. Go to fightcamp.com slash two-man and get all the motivation you need to start working out today. The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Podcast. Welcome to the two-man power trip of wrestling. I'm your host, JP John Paz, welcoming back a very special guest. He's the executive producer of Dark Side of the Ring. Of course, now he's doing Tales from the Territories over on Vice. He's Mr. Evan Husney. Evan, welcome back to the two-man power trip. How you doing? Hey, John. Thanks so much for having me back, man. appreciate it. I know you said you're crazy busy. What's going on in your world? What's keeping you so busy these days? <laughs> it's been crazy, man. We didn't even get a break at all coming off of season three of dark side. Um, and we went straight into tales from the territories. That's the way the network likes it. They want to keep you working. They want to keep you on your feet, you know? So we yeah. went right into tales from the territories 
and then because it was such a small, short, collapsed production schedule, we are having to deliver the episodes every week to air. So kind of like how South Park makes their show, you know, not exactly like that, but we're basically delivering yeah. it every week, you know, so it's so, so we haven't finished it yet. We've only finished. Uh, I think we just finally finished the sixth episode, uh, like I think yesterday, I think so. We still have the other four to like make sure that they're done, you know. So we're just kind of racing against the clock. That's funny because you would think like, oh, it's in the can, it's done. Like, no, you guys are still working on it right now. No, I wish, I wish it were that way. I think that would be it'd be a lot better, like to not have the pressure of you know, like the airtime and like the deadlines of that. I think the product would be better. I think like it's it's just it's just tough, you know. It's tough when you're when there's there's no. You know, like there's no give, you know, it's just this is when it airs. It's got to yep. be done. All the color mix, all the sound mix, all the parts you wanted to. And it's it's hard because there's there's things you want to change. There's things you want to add. There's things you want to make sure you didn't forget. And, you know, sometimes it always, you know, it, working under that kind of pressure, uh, it, it, it makes you kind of, you know, forget things or makes you not, you know, it, 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 it can lead to a lot of crazy shit i guess is what i'm saying <laughs> oh yeah big time yeah. so it was memphis memphis if i'm remembering this correctly i know it was the first two were memphis memphis back to back then it right. was um awa awa then, yeah yep and then florida and then calgary is coming up yeah calgary is coming up and i think polynesia is next i think after after that and then i think it goes portland and then uh i can't remember oh th- th- then i think it's world class and then i think it's mid-south and then jim crockett promotions or it might be jim crockett promotions and then mid-south i can't remember but that's the that's the lineup wow pretty damn good are you allowed to say who's like a part of those shows or yeah you a surprise no totally yeah we can talk about it i mean i've talked about other shows so we can talk about it okay cool so who's going to be on for from uh, world class mm. so from world class um it's funny um well first and foremost uh in in getting the show put together um when we when we had first developed the show we had worked with Tra- uh, we had worked with Chavo Guerrero Jr. Chavo is an old friend of ours we worked with him um on the Chris Benoit episode of Dark Side of the Ring um he kind of helped us in a lot of ways to get most of the folks uh, who are in that show on board so we had this kind of uh, you know, and then he also was working in TV. He was working on Glow at the time, and then of course he wound up working on Young Rock. And now he's kind of the go-to wrestling trainer. He's working on the Iron Claw. He trained Zac Efron, you know, for the for the world class film. So it's very apropos to be talking about that. Um, but so 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 Chavo was a big part um, of this show, and obviously working with us on Dark Side. So when we were developing the show with Seven Bucks, um, I'm 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 getting to answer to your question, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the reason I bring it up is because Chavo is, is is on that show. You know, Chavo's dad, Chavo Guerrero Sr., you know, wrestled in world class. And, and we wanted to find uh, a really awesome spot for Chavo to be on the show as well, too, uh, to sort of be kind of like, you know, how Jeff Jarrett in the Memphis episode was sort of like, you know, being kind of the moderator, if you will. Uh, we kind of wanted that voice on that show. And so Chavo, being a part of the production, stepped in and did some on-camera stuff for that, which is great. So he's in that show um as uh, kind of steering the convo and then we have um kevin von eric you know who we've worked with a lot you know on dark side uh love kevin it was awesome to see him again he, he came all the way from hawaii <laughs> to do the show which was amazing wow. uh 
We also uh, had David Manning, another perennial on Dark Side of the Ring. He's the former referee booker of World Class. He's probably one of my favorite storytellers on Dark Side of the Ring. So it's always awesome to have him. Um, he's so great. And then uh, we also had Brian Adias, who was a uh, wrestler in the territory as well. And he actually grew up with the Von Erichs. He went to like, you know, I think grade school with all those Von Erich brothers and stuff. So he, I mean, all the older ones, you know, and so he's kind of their contemporary, spent a lot of time with them. So there's a lot of family bond there with Brian. Um, and then we had Jimmy Garvin, another one I can cross off my list of, of people I've always wanted to work with. Um, and Jimmy Garvin was so cool, man. He was so awesome to hang out with while we were filming. Great storyteller. Just love his vibe. Um, and so, yeah, so that's kind of the makeup of the crew. And then you have Chavo kind of steering ship there uh, with that conversation. It's a, it's, it's a wild episode. There's some wild ass stories in there. And it's also cool, too, for the world class show. It's like every piece of you know, call it documentary or storytelling that you hear about world class, you know, it obviously it's hard to ignore the tragic aspect of, you know, what happened, you know, in Dallas and, you know, with all the deaths of the Von Erich brothers. And I think this is kind of uh, an awesome opportunity where we deliberately chose like to kind of not dwell on that at all or even talk about it. And we just kind of got into the wild and crazy stories and experiences that these guys all live. So it's kind of cool that um, while that tends to like while the tragedy expe- the, the the tragedy you know of world class kind of overshadows everything this is, was an opportunity to kind of just you know do away with that and kind of get into some wacky storytelling yeah because you guys did a good episode on obviously world class and on gino hernandez separately so you guys kind of covered the the tragic ends yeah i mean we did gino we did the von erics i mean brody to some extent you could say kind of has you know has those ties oh, yeah. to world class so. definitely we definitely covered world class pretty heavy in our first season. So it's just an opportunity to tell some of the funnier, weirder, wilder stories that, you know, these guys have told us over the years, you know, I mean, that's how this show came together was just that in all the interviews we do for dark side, I mean, you have to imagine every single interview we do is like three hours plus, you know, and there's a lot of them, you know, that's hundreds. So we've done, and we hear so many great stories over the last five years, but there's no outlet for them. There's no, home for them you know like we yeah we could release it as like something online but we kind of saved all of them and wanted to use them like as a vehicle for like a new show for like kind of an ancillary kind of complimentary show you know to dark side in a way because obviously it borrows a lot of the same aesthetic it borrows a lot of the you know reenactments and the music if you will and things like that so we just wanted to kind of create like a vehicle that would you know, uh, and, and most of the crazy stories are shocker from the territories, you know, yes, back when back when wrestling was, you know, kayfabe and like protected and the stakes were high. And so it was perfect. It was a, it was a cool uh, it was kind of a cool little like, you know, like uh, um, umbrella to put everything under. Yeah, definitely. Who do you got coming in for Jim Crockett promotions? Oh, man, that's that that was a tough one. Uh, you know, spoiler alert, because um you know, back when we were shooting this episode, there's like two kind of complications we had to sort of like just wade through with that episode. Uh, one was when we were filming these in May or April or whatever it was, there was a, it was like that was the worst time for traveling. I don't know if anybody remembers. Cancellations were insane. Yep. It was like, you know, just that crazy period of, of air travel. And this show is very hard to make because of trying to get all the wrestlers in one room. It's a lot harder than you think it is. I have all the respect now in the world for people running wrestling conventions. Right. You know, um, okay. whoo, that is tough. Uh, so anyway, 
um, that was unfortunately one of the shoots where a wrestler's flight got canceled and he couldn't make it for the panel. So we were kind of down one person that we really wanted to have at the show. So um, we had to shoot kind of a separate vignette with them. So we kind of made up for it, but they weren't like at the table. So we shot like a vignette instead to kind of include it in there. And that was Nikita Koloff. So, so which is a shame because we really wanted Nikita on the panel because, you know, I don't know anybody else in the business at that time in the eighties who was as committed to staying in character 24 seven as that guy, but we still got the storytelling in there for that. So there's that. The next thing was um, when we did develop the show and we, and we did think about doing a series about the territories and, and wanting to cover this, obviously the logical person we wanted to go to for this is Jim Cornette because he's somebody we've always talked to always he, he's probably the most interviewed person i think on dark side at this point he must be um and then as like calling him up like hey we got a new show we're doing this whole new thing now like you ready to go and he's like i ain't traveling for anybody i'm sorry and i'm like what so then uh you know jim wasn't gonna you know hop on a plane and come down to atlanta we we shot most of it in atlanta and also los angeles and he wasn't going to either of those you know he doesn't fly i think a lot of people know that but anyway so it was impossible to get him down there so we did wind up also traveling to his home and shooting a second vignette. So the Crockett episodes got some of the uh, table chatter, but it also has two other separate vignettes, one with Nikita, one with Jim Cornette. And then the folks at the table is um, Arn Anderson, uh, baby doll, David Crockett and Ricky Morton. And Ricky Morton is another person I've always wanted to have in front of our camera. So it was awesome to finally get him as well too. And he looks great in the episode. <laughs> Nice, nice. That's a great, uh, great cast. Yeah, no, Cornette. He, he, he doesn't want to do anything. He's making literally making too much money sitting at home. He's not going to leave his house. Yeah, no. It's, it's. I think since the pandemic too, as well. well that it's too. Like, yeah, yeah. He, he's not, he's not, he's not taking any risks or, 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 or taking on any unneeded aggravation. I think is uh, one of the main uh, motivators, which I totally understand. It's just in my head. I could picture him being like a big part of the show, you know, yeah. um, either in front of the camera, behind the camera, whatever. Like I could picture because he's such he has all the knowledge and nobody nobody really quite talks uh, about wrestling like he does, you know. Um, and that's something I've noticed over the years is like, you know, because everything in our business with, you know, making it this making these like bringing these stories to life for television, you know, um, it's, it's always uh, a struggle to take. The, the stories in wrestling and to give them like the real weight and gravitas that it needs to have for a general audience, you know, for someone who doesn't give a shit about wrestling, you need to make these stories feel like the, they're the most important thing on planet earth, you know, to get, to get normies, you know, on board and nobody can do it like he can. Nobody can, can make you care or, or, or have, speak with as much passion um, and just be generally entertaining and funny, but also just kind of just take, anything about the wrestling business in any moment in the ring or anything outside of it, he just takes it and elevates it to a level that makes it perfect for television, you know? So, so I, I, I did consider that he, you know, he, he, that it would be great to have him for the show, but it proved to be much more logistically difficult than I anticipated. <laughs> and I saw an awesome YouTube short with him. It's about 10 minutes or so. He, he yeah. him going over. Some, I mean, that's really great. He's, he's the best. Yeah, and that was like a, a, a that was a, that was like another thing. It was like uh, you know he would have been great on that show. He would have been great. He would have been great on the Kaufman show that we did, or even on the Memphis show. Um, but it was like you know he wasn't going to travel. Um, 
And then I think uh, the vice.com folks asked me, hey, is there like a little bonus thing we could film for the YouTube channel that would sort of help promote territories? And and it was kind of like, uh, go to Jim's house, you know? And so they wound up doing that. And it turned out great. I thought it was great. Yeah, that was awesome. The yeah. crazy thing is, it's just funny because Dutch is such a good storyteller and that Memphis episode is great. But it almost is like, wow, Lawler might be, you know, as good as Cornette of a storyteller. Lawler is he was the great. best. He was unbelievable on that show. Yeah, he was great. He was great. Um, that was a great group of people. It was hard to top that group. I remember yeah, that was early possible. on. It was, it, it was, it's probably impossible because a couple things. One is when you're doing a show about the territories, unfortunately, a lot of guys have passed on, you know, a lot of great storytellers that would are tailor-made for a show like this i you know people that come to mind are always you know um like roddy piper or you know bobby heenan you know like yep. those voices would have added so much to like roddy with the portland episode or bobby with the awa episode you know and it, it's tough to find people that get along that well or have that much chemistry and history that are still around and so i think it's that was tough you know um to top but they were great and i remember it was early on in the process. We didn't even know if the show would work or what it was going to be like yet. You know, we were kind of trying to figure it out as we were going because it's an experiment, man, because with Dark Side, you know, you're doing one on one interviews with, you know, with folks. And the, like I said, they're three, four hours long. And so you have a lot to rely on in the edit in order to put a story together, you know, to be able to tell a story. And um, with this, you kind of live and die by the chemistry of those at the table and how they're telling stories, how it's bouncing around, how it's flowing, how natural is it, how funny is it, how, enter how entertaining is it, you know, yeah. and it's really tough. It's that's tough. But these guys, man, they just locked right in. It was like right when the cameras turned on, they were, you know, and, and they hadn't seen each other. They all hadn't been in the same room. You got to imagine for years, you know, so that was cool to, to like just be a fly on the wall for too. But Jerry Lawler was awesome. I think when he showed up, he was like, ah, this is going to suck, you know, or something like that. You know, that's kind of how he was feeling. And and then as soon as they started rolling and bringing things back, you know, around again, it was like, it was like, you know, no time had passed, but it was also like uh, the most natural thing ever. So it was cool. It was really cool to watch. And the Andy Kaufman stuff is great. I just always admired him. Just it's, he's so funny, but he's also on another level where it's like he's not even trying to be funny sometimes. Sometimes he's trying to piss you off, or sometimes he's trying to do something. You're like, what the hell is like what just happened? So he's like a, an enigma wrapped in like I don't even know what. He's he's a special cat. You know what I mean? He's just a different animal. Well, he's got that whole thing of, you know, being a, you know his his humor comes from being an being an antagonist you know and also yeah. being you know being like a well for lack of a better term being like a healed comedian you know and i think it's really cool to see like knowing that he came from such a uh like rich uh like his 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 love for wrestling goes back you know until him being a very little kid and and him understanding not only i mean to be a comedian you have to understand so much about show business and so much about audience and so much about reaction you know, and that's why when you have a comedian who is a wrestling fan, you know, they're they're looking at wrestling in a in a very, you know, like in the best way possible, I guess you should say, you know, like wrestling and the art of comedy are are both the art of reaction, you know, from a crowd. And I think for him to basically have that knowledge and to be able to take what he loved about, you know, watching Buddy Rogers on TV and everything else and being able to apply that to his comedy and then kind of spit it back out again and make you know and make it apply to his wrestling it's amazing you know and it's so cool and i think i think even 
the most veteran of wrestler could learn something about wrestling, you know, from Andy Kaufman. And I think that's what's so cool about him. And I think that's what um, we tried to celebrate, you know, with that episode. So funny, like when you look at like Kaufman, he'll bomb on SNL in his like in his basically his tryout, but he did it on purpose. Like just right. he, he he does the comedy routine where he's eating like ice cream on stage and he's like not even really engaging with the audience. <laughs> like uh, he'll bring his grandmother out. She'll tell a terrible joke and he thinks it's like hilarious. Like very ahead like, of time. Are... Yeah. Like he's so very ahead of its time. But then yeah. SNL is like, we got to have this guy on all the time. So they bring him on as a special guest all the time. So it's like whatever he did, even though he didn't want it to work, it ended up you know, working out for him. Well, it's just, yeah, I, I think, you know, it's that gets into that kind of like anti-comedy thing, you know, and, and sort yep. of gets into, you know, him. What's funny about him is his eccentricities and the quirkiness of all of it, you know, but then um, and, and like you've never just seen anything like it. I mean, so much of that. It's like when you when you go to see somebody who's trying to be funny, you know, and they're trying to get themselves over as a comedian through like traditional means, you know, that can run stale pretty quick. And when you see somebody like in the opposite, it's like, it's like looking at folk art or it's like looking, it's like going to a bad open mic night. Sometimes watching yep. a failing comedian is funnier than yep. watching a succeeding comedian or one who's, you know, obviously trying too hard. So it's, it's just amazing how, how perceptive he was of that. You know, and I you have to think that he borrowed a lot of those instincts from growing up being a fan of wrestling, which is it's awesome, you know, to see that. It is crazy to think that Vince McMahon Sr. didn't want it. He said he didn't want people to think it was acting or actors involved. So he it makes turned sense. it down. Crazy. It makes sense. I it makes sense, I think, at the time, because how could you really understand what he you know, how could somebody really if they're not plugged in, you know, uh to his comedy or what he's doing? I think any other celebrity, I think, would have, could have, would have cheapened where wrestling was at at that time. You know, I do understand that. I think hindsight 2020, he probably would have been like, oh, shit, that was great. You know, but it, it's I'm, I'm sure that um, on paper or the idea of it or not fully on grasping, you know, Andy's art or whatever, I, I, I could sort of see how you'd be, you know, reticent to to commit to something like that, especially with him, you know, picking women out of the crowd and wrestling them like, you know, and that's all it was at the point. Like at that point, that's all it was. There was no Jerry Lawler angle. There was no big storyline concepts. That's what it was. You know, it was yeah. him picking women out of, out of the audience. So I could see being like, well, I'm not so sure about that. Yeah. It's like intergender wrestling champion. What the hell is this? What like, and you're wrestling these <laughs> right. women for real? Like, yeah. Yeah. I don't know how that fits in with like, you know, like, you know, uh, like Raka and, you know, Bruno San Martino and stuff, you know, but who knows? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when you look at um, Tales from the Territories, obviously Calgary's coming up. You got Brett. That's a huge one. Dr. D is an awesome one because he's a rare guy. Abby, too. Was that, did I see Abdul the Butcher on there? Yeah. 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 yeah of course. Oh, yeah. Wow. I thought he was uh, in poor health. I guess not. Um. I, I, I'm not sure it, it, what his health situation is, but he has lost a lot of weight, you know, since I, since we filmed with him, um, when we, when we, uh, did the first season of dark side. So to me, he seemed in better health than when I saw him the first time. Um, but, uh, it was cool to work with him again. You know, he's somebody we've always, you know, we always look back at Abdullah on dark side and, and kind of wish that, you know, there was more Abdullah on the show. Yeah. Um, he's such a fascinating character, you know, he's a one of a kind, you know? And so it was kind of a, 
experiment to, to to be like, well, what it would what would it be like with him on a table like that around like his peers, and um, you know, and and it it is like oddly, um, charming and also kind of sweet. I, I dare I say to see him um and Brett interact. You know, um, in, in I I just I, I remember when we kind of were pitching the idea and hoping that it was going to happen. It was just like, yeah, what would Brett and Abdullah the Butcher be like sitting around a table? And it was cool, man, because, you know, like Abby has such a rich history with, you know, that territory and he has such a fondness for Stu, you know, and he he um, he didn't break in there. But, you know, that's where he kind of cut his teeth, you know, and so he has a lot of fondness for Stu. He drew a lot of money in that territory and he remembers the kids, you know, when they're like super young, Brett included, like Brett's like 10, you know, or like nine, you know, which is crazy. And, and, and you know, like um and then you have like a like uh, uh, Abdul the Butcher raising hell, and the episode is kind of like the Stampede episode of Tales from the Territories is kind of like more about seeing the territory through Brett, like young Brett's eyes. You know, it's a lot of stories about Brett growing up and gradually getting smart to the business, with, with like you know seeing his dad, like you know, uh, even though he never smartened up his family, he didn't smarten up his kids. You know, it's like, here are the things that Brett saw on a daily basis that got him to realize, OK, there's something about this that isn't altogether, you know, honest. <laughs> and right. um, and also growing up with people like Abdul the Butcher running around and thinking that they're going to come to the house and, you know, slice up the family and stuff, you know. So that's just kind of cool about the episode. Um, it, it, it is cool to, just to see, the, I think, for those two to reminisce. Obviously, you have some stories from Dr. D. Um, there's also a deep cut a uh, very deep cut uh, stampede wrestler uh, named no class Bobby Bass, who I have to admit, I wasn't this familiar with before going into this, but it was Brett's suggestion to get him on the, on the show. And I'm glad we did because it was cool just to hear from him and to hear his stories and learn about, you know, no class Bobby Bass. Yeah. That's a random one. Damn. That very random. Wow. Look at Brett. Well, that, yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it, that that's, what's cool about this show, you know, too, is like, you know, I think a lot of wrestling shows would go for the big names and this like there's an opportunity for us to get like some deeper cut names, you know, like, for example, you know, uh, when we were doing the Portland episode, uh, which which I'm, I'm looking forward to people seeing because that was a real wild card because we got a lot of folks together who um, really didn't overlap that much, you know, in the territory. So it's kind of like, what's the it's a long standing territory. So it was kind of like, what's the chemistry going to be like? It was a big X factor, but they were awesome. And, you know, we were able to get Mike Masters on the show, you know, and that's someone you'd never think you'd see on television in, you know, 2022 or whatever. And uh, he was great. He told some amazing stories and uh, it was great to have him there. Great chemistry with everybody else at the table. And then, unfortunately, I had no idea he was sick. And then he passed away, like, within a month, maybe. Yeah. month yep. and a half after we shot Very the sad. episode. Yeah. I had no idea. So we're, we're definitely, you know, dedicating the entire episode to him and, um, you know, super appreciate the opportunity we had to work with him and to, you know, you know, to have to, to get his stories in and everything. So, yeah, that was just but that's I think what's kind of cool with the show is that it's just, you know, being about the territories and, you know, being a deeper cut sort of thing. You know, you get to hear from a lot of, you know, uh, wrestlers that you wouldn't think you'd hear from. So I think it's I think that's something that's cool, or at least fun for me with the show. Definitely. Who else is on the Portland one? Uh, 
The Portland one has um, Len Denton, the grappler, of course. Of course. He, he, he wound up being a big part of the office in that territory um, eventually. Um, we had uh, Princess Victoria, uh, who was a dark side favorite. You know, so, so yes. If there were people that, that we really liked having on the show in dark side, we would bring them back for this. And this was an opportunity to get her back on. So she was great. You know, she, has a, she has an amazing story about um, a match she had uh, with Buddy Rose. Um, so she's on there. Um, and then we also had <laughs> also a first time for the show. We had Bushwhacker Luke first first bu uh, Bushwhacker on the show. And he's uh, wow. He tells some very uh, <laughs> insane and disgusting stories that I'm sure people will be talking about uh, after well after the episode airs. So, yeah, it was it was a it was an intimate group of folks, you know, um, that that, again, didn't overlap much in the territory, but paint kind of a very interesting um portrait of it you know because it is a weird place it's definitely portland is one of the weirder territories because wrestling was pretty strange up there you know and i think it i think that definitely gets reflected in the episode i feel like most of the guys that go there like it though you know what i mean like they always have yes. uh, good stories about portland and that, you never hear like oh don owen screwed me on money or something like never not that i've heard of you usually hear good stories no, Don Owens was a guy who really was one of the good payoff guys. He was always uh, a very respectable dude. He, um, yeah, no, he, he, he has a great reputation with everybody. Um, at, like, you know, as a promoter, it's a place that a lot of wrestlers, even from, you know, New York, a lot, a lot of people or AWA would, would get sent off to Portland to kind of cut their teeth and, and to really refine their craft before coming back. And, you know, you had Jesse Ventura with somebody like that. You know, you had a lot of people going over there. And again, it, it lasted till the, I think, 92 or three or something like that before it shut down. So it's one of the long, longest running territories um, of the whole bunch as well, too. So, um, yeah, just kind of a fascinating kind of lost history with Portland. You know, it doesn't get talked about a lot. I agree. I was just talking to Lance Von Eric. There's a random name uh, for the best. He was, he was he there. Yeah. He was saying he wished he stayed there rather than going yeah. to world class. He had so much fun. I can see that. I yeah, can see he's that. like he's basically said that's when wrestling was fun. When he went to world class, he hated it. Yeah. Wow. 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 Yeah. I I can see it. It does look it it does look like it was a good time. With the Polynesian episode, I think Big Kevin's on that, right? Right, Kevin Sullivan. He's on the the Polynesian Kev one. Uh, Kevin Sullivan is the only uh, person on the show who uh, is, uh, I guess we like uh, double dipped on for this, you know, so he comes back. He's on the Florida episode, which we all you know saw uh, last week um, or this week. Fuck, that was this week. Yeah. And then um, and then, yeah, he's coming back for the Polynesia episode. I mean, that was a hard that was a hard one uh, in terms of uh, finding enough voices to really speak about that territory in, in you know, in, in, in the right way. And Kevin was somebody obviously who was there, I think, for like nine months to a year. Um, so it was cool to hear from him. And he you know, he's well versed in the history of the territory as well, too. So that was cool. But yeah, Kevin Sullivan comes back for that episode. Who else is on that one? Um, Rocky Ikea, who is uh, King Curtis Ikea's son. He also was a wrestler, Rocky Ikea. Um, and so he, he tells a lot of the stories about King Curtis. And um, he knows a lot of history about the Maivia family. Um, um, you know, as well too, you know, Peter Maivia and also Leah Maivia, you know, the rocks, you know, grandmother. And so him filling in that history and telling some insane stories of growing up as a little boy in the ter territory and seeing these crazy matches in the sixties that, you know, would break like routinely break out in riots and stuff. Cause you had a lot of like racial tension, 
you know, between like native Hawaiians and Samoans. And that was a huge thing that they played off, you know, for heat, like back in the day with that territory. And so you, you get a lot of violent and um, unruly, crazy, uh, riotous crowds, you know, back then. So he kind of paints a portrait of that. Um, we also had downtown Bruno uh, um, uh, on the episode as well, uh, or AKA Harvey Whippleman from the WWF. Uh, he, he's a close friends with Dwayne. So, um, uh, you know, downtown Bruno was cool to have on the show too, because that's really where he made his connection with, um, the, you know, my via family, um, and, you know, with, with Dwayne and with Rocky Johnson and stuff was really when, you know, he came into that, like into that territory. And so he has a lot of great memories and a lot of <laughs> amazing moments of getting a lot of heat, you know, being, you know, a mainland, a main continental or whatever they call, you know, American coming there and, you know, drawing some heat. Um, and we also had Lars Anderson, uh, who, uh, wow, I didn't realize you, wow, yeah. that's a rare one. Yeah. Yeah. And so Lars Anderson, who really was Leah Maivia's right-hand man, you know, for all this stuff. And so he was really fright, front and center for the, you know, uh, the, um, the, um, FBI investigation, you know, which is, you know, which is a crazy part of history, which is covered, uh, you know, in short in the territories episode, but it's covered there. And he talks about his experience of, what was going on with the extortion trial happening in Polynesia at the time. And so, um, yeah. And to have him on the show. Yeah. It was awesome. You know, cause he's somebody, yeah. Who really is a major part or was a major part of that territory. Oh, he doesn't do anything wrestling related for whatever reason. He just stays away from wrestling. So that's no. Good... And I can understand why <laughs> after that, well, he, he yeah. got a little bit of trouble. Yeah. <laughs> he got into some trouble and I think he yeah. got into, I think he had a lot of, he had a big target on his back for a while. And I think, I think not. I think for the last X amount of years, he's just been like, um, he's in sales or something. He's been totally out of wrestling. So, yeah, it was cool to have him back for this. Ever have any thought of having the guy with the name on the show? Ever have Dwayne or Rock Johnson? Any thought of him participating in any of these? Oh, we would have loved it. I mean, we would have loved it. Um, I mean, you know, it, it's the man. He's probably the busiest person in Hollywood, you know, it's crazy the amount of stuff that he's doing in terms of the brands and black Adam and, you know, black Adam, now that it's out, that's been, I know, consuming him, you know, uh, in, in terms of his time and where he's traveling and promoting this movie and doing all that stuff. I can't even believe he has time to promote territories, <laughs> you know, um, during all of that. So I, we appreciate everything he's done for that. I think that the time that the show came together, I think was uh, it was like we, we we didn't have a lot of time. We had to go, and we couldn't consider much of you know his schedule or anything else. And we had to make it you know to deliver it to the network. I think if we had a little bit more time, or if it happened a little later, um, and there was that right little pocket of there's that little window in there where he where he would have been more available, we probably would have. And I think maybe in the future there's an opportunity to potentially if we do a season two or whatever to have him on the show because we'd love to have him on the show. Uh, you know, it'd be it'd be incredible. How that relationship come together with his production company and you guys? Because he's saying love letter to pro wrestling that he, I mean, he loves this show. He's investing. He promotes the show. So how did the relationship come together? Yeah, it was cool. It was. Um, it, I'll never forget it. It was. Uh, I was. Uh, Dark side of the ring had just was just starting to air. The first season was just starting to air, and um, I think it might have been after episode one, honestly, because I think when when up when when the Macho Man Randy Savage episode hit air. We also simultaneously had the Bruiser Brody episode on YouTube as like a free preview or something of this season. 
So um, right after the Randy Savage episode aired, I'm I'm grocery shopping, <laughs> you know, with my brother, I think. And <laughs> I look down at my phone and it says, you know, The Rock has mentioned you on Twitter. You know, you get that notification. I'm like, what? And uh, <laughs> open up my phone and I see that, you know, he's he, he's just he just wrote this amazing glowing thing about Darkseid and, you know, said how much he appreciated just the production value and you know how much we, you know, you could tell that we were passionate guys or whatever he said. I can't remember paraphrasing, but it was just really cool. It like was a super big validation for us because it had been such a rocky road to get that sh- to get dark side of the ring um, from it's a total homegrown family affair. Let me just tell you that. And it took a lot to get it, you know, greenlit and on the air, you know, there was a lot of question marks if it would ever air, you know? And so um, it, it was a really big validation to see that. And it was incredible. And it also had come off the heels of Hulk Hogan tweeting about the show and also, you know, kind of burying the show, which was amazing. It was, it was an incredible <laughs> tweet. Cause it was like uh you know, five out of 10 brother or whatever he said, he said like five out of 10 brother, but you know, I wish they would have asked me to be part of it. And of course we did ask him to be a part of it, but we were nobodies, you know, or whatever at the time we were absolutely nobody. Right. So, um, he wasn't going to just, you know, do nothing for nobody. Um, but anyway, uh, so it was kind of like the rock, it was like, you know, Hogan had sort of semi buried us and then the rock put us over. And so it was like this just crazy as they're growing up as wrestling fans, that's just a crazy place to be in between yeah you know? holy it's like, crap it's like yeah it's like you're saying wrestlemania 18 or whatever you're like standing in between both of them you know and it's it was crazy so um so that w- so when that happened that, that was a big moment and then um it was right around that time maybe a few weeks later a friend of mine um had offered to connect me with seven bucks who was you know his production company though that's uh that's that's the rocks production company yep. and i was like sure why not yeah would love to meet so I met Brian Gortz, uh, you know, former WWE head writer, Brian Gortz, um, and uh, his colleagues in New York. We sat down and we talked about Dark Side and the show and how, what kind of wrestling projects they wanted to make and have pitched and or have in development and stuff. And we said, it'd be great to do something together. And I was like, yeah, it'd be awesome. Like, we should try and come up with something. And we just were talking about, like, our interests. And I remember us talking about the Von Erics and talking about the territories. And it just kind of... It just kind of landed on like it'd be really cool to do something about the territories. Like they had been thinking about doing something about the territory. I think they had like another project that was maybe uh, territory themed. And then I was like, I love the territory. I mean, that's my favorite kind of wrestling. Like, yeah, absolutely. So we started talking about that. And then, like I was mentioning earlier with Chavo Guerrero, like we had just worked with him on the Benoit episode. We were just gearing up to do that. It was where we were in pre-production on season two. And so we were talking to Chavo a lot. And he sort of had a concept for a show, too, that was um, territory-esque. And uh, we all just kind of got together and just started to kind of develop, like, what could the show be and roundtable idea with reenactments. And originally, we had sort of envisioned it to be something where it would be like not quite like Dark Side, but it would be like full dramatic recreations. Like the idea was like with dialogue and like full scenes, like, you know. With, with, with a much bigger budget let's just say yeah. you know to be able to really bring these stories to life maybe you would see the guys at the table just at the very beginning of a story to set it up and then it would just you'd be fully launched and immersed into that story um and uh so that was the idea and then we pitched it around i think all of 2019 we pitched it around to various net you know networks and so this is only when dark side season one was out so we were pitching it and then um uh and then finally vice came to the table 
uh, and and because Dark Side was a hit, and they wanted to keep doing more shows with us. And so, um, yeah, so we 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 came to an agreement, uh, and we basically it, it took until basically the you know around season three time to when we were going to finally do it. You know, at first Vice wasn't sure, and then they came back around again um around the time of season three there was sort of a new regime at at advice at the time and they were like wait a minute they didn't want to do a show with the rock what the fuck you know yeah. <laughs> so yeah. how is that possible kinda, yeah yeah and then we kind of revisited it and uh it wound up uh to be kind of pretty much like a no-brainer and so then we were off to the races and, and like like i said we had no time in between season three and territories we were boom boom from one to the next it's awesome to get him on the intro, though. I mean, that that's just perfect. You know what I mean? His oh his, my god, his voice sets the, the tone for the show. Oh my god, yeah. I mean, that was awesome. I mean, it was so cool. Like you know, to, like as busy as he is to even ha- to even for him to, to 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 like send in stuff like that. He, I mean, he gives us notes. He he uh, he 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 weighs in on who's going to be on the tables, and you know, he he definitely has a voice on the show and. Uh, it's just so cool. We send him episodes and get the feedback and everything. It's it's awesome. And so it's he's he and Seven Bucks have been great partners on the show for sure. That's so cool that he's like invested in it. Very know? much it, so. Yeah. Very much so. I actually remember uh, when we first started, when we first got shooting or d- first started developing the show. Or I'm sorry, let me take that back. First, when we were like. In pre-production, that's what I meant. <laughs> pre-production with the show, so we're we're greenlit. We're off to the races. Uh, Dwayne watched uh, Memphis Heat uh, like twice. Great you know, documentary, like back, yeah. back to back, like with like I, th- I think within a week. Like I, like he watched it twice in a week and was getting fired up. But that's how he pre-gamed, you know, getting into first, <laughs> getting into production on this. <laughs> and it was like you know, definitely like make sure you do some Memphis stuff. And I'm like, absolutely, you know, and so. Um, you know, little, little did we know we'd wind up doing two episodes on it uh, at the time. But so, yeah, it was it was cool. It was just cool that, that like from from the from word go, he was like he was like all about it. So cool. I remember back in God years ago, though, they did uh, the tape trading and I guess Corey Macklin claimed to own the Memphis footage. I don't know if he really did or did it, but he put compilations together those were the best it's like he would put kaufman from his promo vignettes talking about soap to the end uh um, yeah lawler versus idol from beginning yeah. to end like he'd put i don't know if he really owned the footage in or not and i don't know if like yeah the that's telling big, it, to have it but big mystery right yeah yep. uh but uh, that's that's awesome i mean of course yeah awesome stuff how do you guys get the footage how do you guys like use that stuff well i mean it's all every territory is different you know like every 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 you know archive from each territory has a different story a lot of them are you know wwe owned you know and of course like you know there are some um shall we say uh you know documentary tools that you can use you know legally in order to use certain you know footage right there's certain seconds right you can use up to a certain amount of seconds something like that yeah, I mean, it's it it just you know it it there, there's not a hard and fast rule you know in terms of what you can use. Just have to use it tastefully and use it um you know and and not go crazy, <laughs> but enough to illustrate the idea of what yep. what the people are communicating. And so, um yeah, and that's just kind of a tool that we've used. It'd be awesome to do it, uh, you know, to be able to have more access to uh, uh, you know footage and and to be able to use it you know willy nilly. The the thing is is that you know with a lot of this territory footage it's very dicey in terms of what's available and what's out there. I mean, there's one story in the Portland episode about how they used to just have one big tape that they kept taping over and they never 
kept the masters of their TV yep. program. And it, it it survives to this day because you know Buddy Rose would 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 record Portland wrestling every night on his VCR, and that's all you have left is just the Buddy Rose tapes, pretty much for the most part. You know, maybe there's some other things here and there, but from the good, you know, from the golden years of yep. Portland, I mean, you pretty much have him to thank that it exists. So, so yeah. Imagine if like the promotions had the foresight of how much the footage would actually be worth in the future. Man, they would be not taping over anything. And I know so many territories that did that. Yeah, a lot of them did, and no, just had no idea like what platforms would exist and what you know, um, you know how this footage would go on and you know where where it would live and yeah, just there was no way for them to know. But it's it is a shame that like you know a lot of the stuff you can't like get. I mean, Polynesia stuff is a big question mark. You know, I mean WWE has all the Florida stuff, but you know, uh, there's a lot of it that just doesn't seem like it's accessible. Like it's some like like that whole Bob Roop. Um, that whole Bob Roop, Steve Kern thing. I mean, you can't find that unless it's in the vault there somewhere at WWE, but I've never seen it. You know, I, I don't know yeah. if you have, I've never seen it. Nope. You know, I only know from talking yeah, to Bob Roop and Kern about it. That's it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's kind of a shame for such a big, crazy angle they had, you know? Yeah. Amazing story between those, those guys. I mean, just oh, uh, what, a, what a cool story. Loved it. Loved it. Yeah. Just love it. I, that, that was one I was very excited about when we were, when we were filming, I was like, I can see this. This is going to be great, you know. And there's there's those moments where, you know, you 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 didn't. I didn't really know about that. And then you know, I'm I'm basically standing at the head of the table, directing traffic. And um, and then you know when that when that sort of hit and they were really living in that story, I was like, wow, this is going to be great. This is going to be great. And it was. It was awesome. You would never be able to do that today. I don't think anyway. I mean, do say no. stuff like that and get away with that. It's crazy. <laughs> well. I mean, some former political leaders say things like that. <laughs> well, yeah. You know what's funny about that? And, and like studying some stuff on him, he was a huge mark. So like he would go Trump? to shows and stuff. Yeah. Trump was a big oh, wrestling fan. Somebody definitely. tried to, I remember this is years ago in an interview. Somebody tried to stump him. They put his face on, on wrestlers' bodies. He'd be like, that's Bruno San Martino. So on to the giant. Like he knew. Oh, he knows. <laughs> like, he knows. Yeah. He knows. Uh, yeah. yeah th there is a very compelling story out there about um you know what he has learned as a showman from wrestling like we talked about andy kaufman right it was yeah. probably a similar story that could be told about what did you know trump learned about wrestling and um and evidence of this you know um, um exhibit a uh, of this is a story that dutch mantel told me once about uh, i don't know if you know this story but it's it always it's so good um so one of the WrestleManias, I don't know which one, it was, uh, you know, in the 2010s, you know, when Dutch was back at WWE doing the Zeb Coulter gimmick. And, you know, his whole thing was kind of a Tea Party character where he gets up, you know, we the people and, you know, it's very xenophobic, you know, it's kind of yep. foreshadowed a lot of, you know, the Trump rhetoric that would become so, you know, prevalent in years to come. And so he's out there doing his whole thing. It was when WrestleMania was at the Meadowlands, or it was so somewhere in New York. Yeah, 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 yeah. Giant he's stadium. Yep. Right, right, right. And he's and he, that's right. And he's giving his cutting his promo, doing his thing. He goes in the back. He sits by catering, and then he just feels this squeeze on his shoulder. You know, like ah, you know, this squeeze. And then he looks up. You know, Dutch, and he sees he sees Trump. You know, right there. And then Trump just 
takes his hand and squeezes his hand and he says, I just want to say what a commendable job you did out there and a wonderful <laughs> speech, terrific, wonderful, terrific, beautiful speech you gave out there, you know, or whatever. Yep. And it's kind of like, what the hell? And then Dutch watches him just walk off, you know, into the sunset there. And it's like, God damn, he walked off with my gimmick, you know? And so, so you know, yeah. I think, obviously, look, I mean, he grew up going to Madison Square Garden. I think his dad took him to a lot of, you know, wrestling matches back in the heyday then, you know, obviously promoting WrestleMania and being, you know, hosting WrestleMania for years. I mean, he, he's very well aware of the performance aspect of wrestling, shall we say, and how to manipulate I, people. Yep, I a thousand percent think that he got the John McCain because remember he said they almost the same exact yeah. thing about John McCain. I think yeah. he got that from Bob Roop. <laughs> that was Bob Roop. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I probably when, I, yeah, when I saw that, I, I was thinking, yeah. it's like he, he almost said the same exact thing to McCain. I was like, wow. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Who knows? We'll never. Maybe know. he heard that because he's you know like he's a wrestling buff and he's just like can't wait to use it on somebody. Oh, there's there's somebody I'm gonna use it on McCain. Well, he yeah. saw the tapes. We can't find him. Maybe he has them. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're <laughs> they're in Mar-a-Lago or whatever. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. I think the FBI just found them in like a yeah a, a yeah. bin in Mar-a-Lago. So anyway, anyway though, who's yeah. on uh, Mid South? Mid South is a is a is a definite heavy hitter one. Um, it's uh, we have Jim Ross, it's great. Um, Jim Ross, Ted DiBiase, um, Jake the Snake Roberts, and Michael Hayes. A first time we've ever worked with Michael Hayes. Wow, so, that's a huge yeah. cast. Yeah, it's a huge cast. It's cool. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, again, Michael Hayes, someone that we've always always wanted to work with on, on dark side to do a free birds thing or anything. We've always wanted to do that. Uh, obviously Michael being, you know, at WWE doesn't get to do a whole lot sometimes, you know, unless it's WWE thing. And so again, kind of the power of seven bucks in the rock to make something like that happen. But there's a good example right there, you know, of, of, of some of the advantages we get with that. So it was cool, you know, to be able to work with Michael, he was awesome. Great storyteller. And, you know, definitely added a lot of authenticity to that, to that panel for sure. Man, that is loaded. That is star-studded. That one. Damn. It is. Yeah, I think that's why it's the. I think that might be the last one. So, you kind of got your bookends there of the Memphis All Star and the Mid South. Yeah. yeah. Wow, very cool. It's uh, I don't know. Sometimes you look, you're like, man, that's unbelievable to get those guys. Like you mentioned, even like Lars Anderson, where we haven't seen him while, but Michael Hayes, obviously, he doesn't do anything non WWE related, pretty much. Not really, no. I mean, Jerry Lawler too is WWE as well too. So mm-hmm. that was another, um, you know, an, another get for us, you know. And so, yeah, it was just great to have them. I can't imagine the show without them, to be perfectly honest. Who books the guys? Who like gets them? Who wrangles them? It's a little bit of a, a lot of people. Me, um, we have um, story producers who like the process of the show is like, okay, what territory are we going to do based on research? You know, based on you know, stories we know that are out there that people have heard that are good, you know, enough to like really, you know, hit on television and then trying to kind of fantasy book the tables first. Like, okay, if, you know, if we could get anybody and schedules lined up, the schedules are a big part of it too. A lot of folks we couldn't have on the shows due to scheduling, you know, because these guys are a lot of these, you know, legends are traveling every week, going to a convention, assigning something. And so sometimes you never get them to overlap. Like, for example, Jim Duggan would have been phenomenal to have on the Mid-South episode, but scheduling, yeah. you know. So there was a lot of those. There was a lot of the, that. So we would we would fantasy book the table first and kind of get into it and look at see like who, you know, 
like like who would be best from the stories we know because we've read their books we listen to shoot interviews or podcast interviews whatever we kind of we kind of sketch all that out then we reach out to everybody and see if we could get them to all play nice and show up to the table and um and then from there we also pre-interview whenever we call somebody to be a part of the show for this show we kind of you know either myself or other folks on the team would just pre-interview them ask them their best stories from the territory their best memories of you know a a, a given territory and then we we basically bring those back kind of sculpt what an episode would look like and then we would kind of almost not script but we would get all the bullet points of each story down so each story we had written out uh by the time we showed up to film because we knew we were shooting reenactments for them and we wanted to make sure these guys hit every single point of their story um so you know we had the beginning middle and end to to shoot reenactments for and then obviously you get your organic stuff you get a lot of the stuff that you didn't plan for and the stuff that they just kind of shoot off the you know that they like shoot from the hip and they just tell some crazy story you never knew about and there's a lot of those that wind up in the final cut so that was the process of just like who would have good chemistry with everybody you know who 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 gets along with everybody and who's got the best stories and who's the best storytellers you know and so that was kind of the that was like the uh, the bar for it. And then we just kind of whittled it down from there. And obviously Memphis, that's that's probably the, the hardest one because Jimmy Hart's an awesome, Dutch is an awesome storyteller. Jerry, Jerry, Jerry Lawler's probably the best. Like Cornette, yeah. if you, you know what I mean? Yeah, so that's got to be rough for you guys. It's like, who the hell can we cut or who, who are we going to, you know? Yeah, that was a hard one. Memphis was a tough one of, of who to fit on there. Like, you know, um, and, and I think one of the things with the show that if we do get the opportunity to make another season, um, I, you know, we would definitely, you know, go back to Memphis and get a whole new group of people, you know, or like change it up, go back to mid South, get a different group of people do world class and, you know, Iceman Parsons, let's get, you know, and you could, you could just change it up and it's just different stories, different people. So that's what I like about the format was, you know, these aren't deep dives into history, you know, it's just the crazy stories you would hear in a bar, you know, and, and that's, that that was the origin of the idea. the The origin of the idea of this was, you know, wrestlers. You know, how many hours a day do they do they spend traveling in cars? You know, um, you know, traveling the territory circuit or going from territory to territory or whatever. So much, so many hours are killed by guys sharing stories with each other to pass the time. Like you know, and and, and a lot of these stories take on lives of their own. Yes. You know, over the yeah. years and. They get exaggerated and they get blown out of proportion. But these are the legends, the car ride legends, the barroom war stories that have been passed on, you know, for a long time. And so we that's what we wanted the show to feel like was we wanted it to feel like, you know, um, those types of stories only. Because if you're doing a whole complete history of the territory, it's impossible. And it would take a Ken Burns amount of hours that, you know, in order to do that in time. And you can't. We can't. So it was just about trying to capture these wild war stories from their time in a given place and the place was sort of what you know was the parameter for each episode i could just imagine like you guys thinking of like a future episode like let's do haku war stories all right we got to do a reenactment of him ripping some guy's eye out at a bar oh, you know yeah. what I mean? like, the crazy stuff yeah right yeah, yeah easy easy yeah of course yeah that would that would that would tell itself for sure so. <laughs> what about dark side we kind of talked about it all fair but it is coming back right Dark side is in the works. Um, you know, there's still, you know, some some things to 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 work out. Can't say anything official yet. We're we're in talks right now. 
Um, there, there should be an official word, wink, wink, nod, nod soon. Um, you know, we hope, but basically, um, nothing we can say definitively right now, but we aren't done with the show, you know, um, in terms of what popular, uh, thought may be or what the rumor and innuendo is on the wrestling new, you know, newsletter circuit. Um, but, uh, we're definitely not done with the show. I mean, it, it would have been incredibly challenging for us to do um another season of dark side and this at the same time we're way too much of a control freaks to be able to do both of those in order to let somebody else do it so um it it would have been too tough um so we 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 and 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 we wanted to give tales from the territories like its best chance to be its own thing and to kind of create another brand and you know maybe someday we you know once we build this and it's off running that can go and the dark side can go and stuff so we we we, we really kind of put it on pause in order to focus on this but we're not done with it you know as far as jason and i are concerned so where does that rumor come from that you guys were done was it there was some heat there after uh after the last season or what it, it was yeah it was well it, it was a strange sort of thing that was like uh you know i think it it came from someone explained i think sam roberts explained it to me i hadn't even heard it but it was like a some rumor about like how wwe was putting pressure on a and e to not you know let our shows you know like there to be it's too controversial and so we're going to cancel it but you know vice would never do that because it's their most successful show i mean you know right. it's, it's it's you know if if if, if dark side wasn't successful i could see not doing another season you know uh for sure but so it was just kind of this weird thing where yeah i mean you know season three had some controversial moments and i could see where people would put two and two together i mean we see that happen every day in the in the wrestling news cycle of people guessing you know uh the you know with the rumor mill and speculating what one thing means and when two things are similar you know you put it together and you have a story and i mean that's how our news cycle today works you know in a lot of ways so I, i totally understand how people could come to that conclusion but in any time, you know, 99.9% of the time of anything, not even just in this scenario, any form of conspiracy is always just the most boring answer uh, or just the most boring reason. It's not an elaborate conspiracy. Uh, and, and in this case, the boring answer is we just made another show for a second. <laughs> you know, like so. So I so it, it's, it's fun to be part of the you know wrestling dirt sheet speculation of course as a fan you mark out a little bit when you're part of the right. you know wrestling wrestling rumor sphere but really you know we 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 just we we can only we're only we're only human and we can only handle one television show at a time at least for now maybe someday you know when we're when we got like penthouse apartments and stuff maybe we right. can figure out something else but not not right now <laughs> so uh, as we wind it down here will we uh, head towards the finish do you have a, a favorite territory in your your uh, like fandom as far as not even just recording but do you have a favorite territory i have to say that my favorite territory without question uh is world class um you know for me it's like territories are all, always about the building you know, it's always about, you know, like, like, like the feel of that auditorium, the feel of that crowd and the stands and the way it looks. And to me, the sportatorium is just the quintessential wrestling or territory wrestling, you know, venue. And um, I absolutely love that. I've, I, I love, you know, Bruiser Brody, the Von Erics, you know, all, all these different characters that have come in out of there, the hard knock style of that, the way it's filmed. 
of course, and the, like the the boundaries they pushed with the the production of wrestling, the vignettes, the music. It's sort of a rock and roll territory. Um, I think it I think it blends so many amazing elements together that watching that program and just being enraptured by you know the story of it too. You know the history. It's got such a rich history of you know you know even before Fritz von Erich took it over and to after he did take it and it just it just went places that were. Yeah, just so it's, it's it's just incredible. So to me, like aesthetically, I love world class. Obviously, you know, there's like, you know, Jim Crockett, you know, it's amazing. There's incredible matches and incredible historical moments there. And it's hard to weed that weed that out and to ignore that, you know. But um, you know, for me, uh world class always hold a special place in my heart. So for sure. There's a great documentary, Heroes of World Class. I don't know if you've seen that. That's phenomenal. definitely, definitely, yeah. Love it. Love that. Love um you know, just like there's some there's some amazing moments of, you know, Kevin walking through the sportatorium moments before they're going to demolish it. Yeah, it's great. Love it. Yeah. It's funny. The WB documentary was good, but it's not as good as that one. That one is excellent. I, I know. Yeah. I love that one. It's much more emotional with him walking through the building and stuff. Yeah, it's it's a little more rough around the edges, but it, it has a lot of heart, you know, and, and it has a lot of great stories. And um, it's a lot more. Heart. Yeah, there's a lot more heart in that one for sure. Definitely. Always had the like just a fondness of that territory because it's like they almost made it national and they almost could have, you know what I mean? Like they were like on the cusp of a lot of like cable TV and stuff. So it's almost like they could have Israel. I mean, they were huge in Israel. So like they almost could have been that next big thing, but just so many tragedies and it just didn't work out with Vince coming coming and taking over. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely an unfortunate, a very unfortunate, sad story of, you know, what happened to that, you know, the territory and the Von Erichs and all the tragedy that that, um, you know, one place and that one family had to endure, you know, year after year. Um, you know, it was, it was almost impossible for them to surmount that, you know, but it, it does live on. And, you know, there is a legacy with it. And a lot of people are still inspired by it and go back and watch it. And, you know, it's awesome. So give us one last big push for Tales from the Territories on Vice every Tuesday night. Yeah, so Tales from the Territories is, yeah, every Tuesday night, 10 p.m. on Vice TV. Um, it's also on Crave Canada. If you're listening, if you're in Canada, that's where you can get it. Um, eventually, I believe the show will find its way to Hulu. I don't know what the actual window of time is between you know when it's on Vice and when it is on Hulu. I know it's on Hulu Live, if you got that, but not all people do. Um, you can also get every episode the day after it airs on Amazon or on, 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 on Apple TV or whatever. You can also, you know, download them there. That's how people are catching up with the show. Um, but yeah, that's where you can get it. You can also follow us at Dark Side of Ring on, uh, on Instagram and uh, Dark Side, no, sorry, Dark Side of Ring on Twitter and Dark Side of the Ring on Instagram. So yeah, that's where we're at. So hopefully Dark Side of the Ring, the next season will be out. I'm very tight-lipped about it, but I'm hearing great things <laughs> about some possible uh, topics and some possible guys that you've interviewed. So be, that's awesome. I uh, heard a few things. So that, I mean, that season seems like it's going to be uh, back to business. Seems like, you know, you guys are going to be rocking and rolling. We'll see. We'll see. I, I, you, I, I can't say much. I, I had to zip it over here or else I get in trouble and, uh, you know, and I, I have to answer to the powers that be. But stay tuned. Uh, there's definitely going to be some cool things coming down the uh, coming down the line there. And you never know. You I mean you guys had Jerry McDivitt on, like you said, you got Michael PSAs. You guys have, you know, you never know who's <laughs> who's showing up for you guys. Lars Anderson, for Christ's sake. I mean, you never know who's showing up for you guys. <laughs> yeah, who knows, man? I mean, there's definitely some people on the dream list. There's some people on the dream list, you know. So you never know. You never know what may happen. All right. Well, Evan, thank you so much for all the time. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. 
This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Man Power Trip. You can check us out on Facebook. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash tmptempire to become a patron. And also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two Man Power Trip, where the power lies brother.